Hey, guys, this is Mick Gillespie. Thanks for downloading our podcast. Max Howe and I are going to talk college football, kind of wrapping up the week that was a lot of upsets, including Florida over Georgia, maybe a shift in power in the East, Notre Dame beating Clemson. Those two could play again in an ACC championship game, but that was a signature win for Brian Kelly's team. How about BYU trying to get into the picture? How does all of this affect Alabama? But we appreciate you downloading the podcast. Give us a five-star review. Max and Mick podcast starts now. He's Max Howe. You know him from Southern Sports Tonight. I call him the godfather of SEC football talk. I mean, I I can remember back when I was in college listening to Max every single night and when he wasn't telling us what he wanted to have for dinner or what was on the menu for dinner that night. He was telling us about Bobby Bowden and, you know, and and Steve Spurrier and Philip Fulmer and all the great names that were coaching back in, in those days. He's a former coach himself, a recruiting coordinator at Florida State and at Ole Miss. I'm Mick Gillespie. Uh, obviously, some of you may remember me from SEC Network Television, maybe from the Crimson Tide Sports <laughs> Network. Uh, maybe you know me from Cubs baseball, but on Bama Insider now. Max, it is awesome to have you on here, man. We're going to get to talk some college football, which we both love to do. Uh, how, how was your Saturday? Well, yeah, Mick, it's just like every Saturday. I do all my homework. I travel during the week most of the time, but uh, I'm back home on Friday afternoon. I start getting ready. I check in on some high school games, those from college games mainly, uh, like this week, past weekend, uh, had a chance to, to, to watch BYU uh, handle Boise State pretty handily. Uh, then I get up Saturday morning, get everything ready. It's 11 o'clock Central Time. I sit down in front of my TV. I've got two big screens in my den. Uh, and, I, and I'm watching, and I know, and I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to get the 11 o'clock game, the 2.30 game, the 6.30 game, and then usually I wrap up at BYU. I, I'm a fan of theirs mainly because they end up getting it usually at 9 and 9.30 Central Time on Saturday night. And this year, with all the circumstances we're playing uh, in the SEC, a 10-game schedule, it's drama every weekend. I get a chance to get right in the middle of it. Well, we talk a lot of Alabama football here. I mean, we are Alabama's rival site, you know. So I guess everything that we talk about always has to come back to where Alabama's going to benefit or how it's going to affect them. But I want to start with that BYU-Boise State game because I watched it, and I was impressed. Uh, Yes. my, My thoughts, not as a former coach, but just as a guy that's seen a lot of football, Boise State was more physical at the line of scrimmage than I think. I'm excuse me. BYU was more physical at the line of scrimmage, taking on Boise State than I can remember. A lot of these BYU teams, they move yep. the football, they score points. I think that in a one-game scenario, they could be tough on teams if they got a chance, maybe to into that college football playoff. I know they're they're kind of in the nine spot, eight spot right now. They got a little ways to go, and they'd have to have a lot of luck. But this is a good team. Oh, they've done a really good job in bringing that group together. Remember, a lot of those kids are already 21, 22 years old, some of them a little bit older uh, because they've gone on mission trips once they get there. BYU has a very interesting concept. One of the reasons they're independent, you, as you probably well know, they don't play on Sunday, none of their sports and events, and that's why it's precluded them from joining a conference. But they've been able to assemble this team in particular. Their quarterback's going to be a first-round draft pick, Zach Wilson. Uh, he can run and throw. He's a big kid, 6'3", about 225. Uh, he's got all the tools. But I, what impresses me, probably next to Alabama, they may have the best group of wide receivers in the country. Because if you watch their game and you watch their play action calls, uh, those kids go up after the ball. They'll go in a crowd. They'll come across the middle. They'll do the thing physically 
lot, that a lot of programs don't ask their wide receivers to do. And if they do, they don't recruit the kids that will do that. So those are the kind of things that I watch. Uh, I love to watch the defensive coverages to see how they adjust and how opponents adjust to them. But uh, very entertaining. I, I think you can ag- agree with that for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, I mean, like, there, there's a group of, of mid-majors. I put them at the top, although Cincinnati's <laughs> ranked ahead of them, that are undefeated. And because of the fact that we didn't have the, you know, the, the offseason – uh, where, excuse me, the preseason, I guess, before the conference schedules, these teams didn't lose, you know. So you got you got you got Marshall, and you got um, uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. And you got yeah. BYU, you you got uh, Coastal Carolina somehow is a you know a really good team this year, and you got Liberty. I mean, like I put them all in the same bowl. I mean, it was just uh, Halloween, and and all these teams are kind of just hanging in there. And the season, it, it's not as long, and they didn't have to play those big teams at the beginning of the year. It feels almost like college basketball because you know, I think in a one game situation, some of these teams could knock off uh, the the, the top notch clubs in in football. Yeah, I don't really disagree with that. The, the attendance, uh, national attendance have to cancel their ball games rather rather lately. In other words, they may not, they may not know Thursday. Uh, like the, the Clemson situation with Notre Dame last night with, you know, with uh, Trevor Lawrence not being able to play, uh, you know, they, they didn't know that probably until the first part of the week. And, and if it's an ESPN televised game, they've already got all the tr- equipment trucks and they're going, so they're able to move around to the Cincinnati's and to the Marshalls and the BYU's to pick up the game. I think of, of – what will happen, just an opinion about this, is the BYU's particular, and I've looked at their schedule from top to bottom. I had a chance to watch them play Troy early. Uh, I've got a, a really great connection there. Uh, it, it, they're physical, they're big, but they don't play a tough schedule. They play a, you know, a, not even a Power Five conference uh, schedule, really. Uh, they got some one double A's in there that they have, because they were just looking for numbers. They were just looking for somebody to show up and play on Saturday. There, in turn, has allowed them to really become a national look, to say the least, because of the number of points they score and, and because of the resistance they get, lack of the proficiency that they are able to perform their offense against them. And they, you know, they throw the ball a lot. They, they make big plays and entertaining plays for the fan base. And that's why guys like probably you and I have gravitated to them because I love the entertainment aspect of it. He's Max Howe. I'm Mick Gillespie. Thanks for joining us here on the uh, Bama Insider podcast channel, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking college football after a a very eventful, dramatic weekend of college football. It started Friday. Saturday, Max, I felt the shift. I really felt the shift in a few areas. First off, I... Until Georgia lost to Florida, felt like Georgia was the team to beat in the East. Uh, And and obviously, that's not the case. Florida wore them out yesterday. Uh, But more importantly, to me, it's kind of like, you know what? Florida's more in tune with the way the college football is played right now because they run the offense. They have just enough defense, and they're going to be tough for Alabama to beat in an SEC championship game uh, because they're the type of team that Alabama struggles with. And then kind of turning the coin on on Georgia, I've called them the Brad Paisley 
of the SEC. And that's because Brad Paisley <laughs> sings this song called Old Alabama, you know, where he talks about he talks about the boys right. from Fort Payne, not Tuscaloosa. And he, he's got like, you know, licks from some of these old Alabama songs. They are old Alabama to me. You know, Nick Saban's first national, second national championship. They're going to play defense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to take your running game away. The problem is, is that they look like a turtle on their back when they fall behind. They did that right. against Alabama, and they did that against Florida. And quite frankly, unless they get a lot of help, they're going to be watching the SEC title game, which most likely is going to be Florida against Alabama. I don't think there's any doubt about that, Mick. And I, if you go back and look, uh, it all stems back from Kirby Smart leaving the Alabama staff after so long there, working on the defensive side. He's done a remarkable job in recruiting. Uh, I'm certainly going to give him that. But I'm going to tell you where he has a breakdown. I've watched uh, every time they're on TV, I, I watch him. Uh, I, I knew him back when he played, if it goes back. And he was a, a pretty good defensive back. But I'm going to tell you, uh, he has a hard time making communication with his quarterbacks. Go back and check the record since he's been there. He let the Eason kid get away. Uh, he brought uh, he brought Fromm in, uh, started for three years. I'll give you the numbers with Fromm. He never improved his quality of play from the time he was a freshman till he left as a junior. He's not going to. He didn't make it in the NFL. He's already been cut off of that. So we know there. In the meantime, he lets Justin Fields walk on at Ohio State, walk out of the program. He lets a kid from Wake Forest that was billed as his next quarterback uh, get away. He decides not to come at all. And in the, the JT Daniels situation, he brings a kid in from Southern Cal that's hurt and can't play. Look at his quarterback execution right now. The two kids he played on Saturday cannot, listen to me, cannot win a championship. Both of them are 5'9", 5'10". Their arm strength is not what it takes to, to be in this quarter. They're not as good as Mac Jones was when he was a freshman. Uh, so I say all that to you. Old Alabama used to could win by stopping the running game and playing good defense and, you, and wait for them to make a mistake, get a pick and run it in. If you don't have a good offense today, I don't care what your defense is. You're not going to win championships. Max, you've been around college football for a long time, and, and I feel like there was this shift. You know, like It almost reminds me of stories I heard where, where Bear Bryant's running like, you know, I don't know, the wishbone or something, and then all of a sudden right. you know, he sees this other team, and then he, he, they lose, and then all of a sudden the next year Alabama comes back, and they're playing a, a different style of offense. Yep. Nick Saban has been successful for a long time, and, and Alabama had to do the same thing when they went out and got Lane Kiffin, you know, and, and that was kind of a mixed bag of tricks because, you know, there's so much that comes with Lane Kiffin, but he's an excellent offensive football coach, and he turned Alabama into this program now that has one of these dynamic playmaking offenses. When you look at Florida, what do you see with them? Because to me, I see a, a team that is going to be really tough to stop. Yeah, I don't think he's any doubt. I'm, I'm pretty close friends with Dan Mullen and, and uh, certainly many people in that operation. And I do a regular show out of Ocala about every two weeks. Uh, we do it on Thursday night about 9 o'clock. We talk nothing but, obviously, uh, but, uh, Buddy Martin, uh, has a, he owns Gatorbait Magazine, which is one of the largest uh, supporting uh, publications in the country at the university level. So he has a lot of – he wrote Urban Meyer's book. He wrote Steve Spurry's book as well. So we get a chance to, to intermingle with that coaching staff. I watched Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, Mick. I'm telling you, he did more with less than anybody I've seen in the country. And I always said if he ever got 
back to Florida because he was with Urban uh, at Florida when he won two championships down there. Uh, that he was he was the coach behind a lot of the stuff that caused him to be successful. Well, sure enough, that's happening now. He's in his third year. He won two, twin, uh, 10 games each the first two years. Nobody's ever come into a program like that and done that. Uh, I don't know whether he can make it to the championship or not uh, because of his depth situation. Offensively, he's got the package with the Pitts kid, the big tight end, and, and Trask, the, 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 the quarterback that got to Florida start after, after uh, the quarterback change that, that um, I'm going through my numbers right now in my head. Uh, after the quarterback change that Dan had, he brought uh, Trasky in that had not started a high school game till, since he was in the ninth grade. Had not started at a college game till he was a junior in college. And here's a guy that's going to make a room for the Heisman this year. So I tell you about his – he's a, what I call a quarterback whisperer. Uh, he coached Eric Smith at Utah. Uh, he coached uh, – uh, he's coached at Prescott. So started – been the starting quarterback. He hurt his ankle with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and he's had tremendous re- response from the guys he's had. He's coached Trask up from a pedestrian quarterback walk-on, basically, to a Heisman candidate. Now, I'll tell you all that to tell you that I knew good well that once he got to a place with talent uh, that could equal what Georgia's got in the East, that he'd compete where he is now. Whether he could beat Alabama or not, I, I don't probably not think so. He doesn't have the depth yet. The defensive side is still a little questionable uh, there. Uh, so I, I, I'm saying they're going to compete. They're going to probably play each other for the SEC championship, uh, and they won't make the playoffs because I, I don't think but conferences will have but one representative. You know, it depends on what you know what uh, Clemson right now and Notre Dame will do, but I think I don't think both of those will go. Notre Dame wins the first one, and if Clemson should come back, then they toss a coin based on – one loss record and quality of wins uh, to get the other. Ohio State, I think, will make it. And then I know the committee, by the way, will love to have somebody from the West Coast. Southern Cal didn't look that good. They won by one point last night in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, you know, they didn't do a whole lot better. So, so I, te- yeah, I tell you all that to say about back to Florida, they, are, they, they will emerge as the team in the East. I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, they just yeah. not quite there yet, but they took a big step yesterday in beating Georgia. I think you were talking about thinking about Felipe Franks, who went to Arkansas and won. Yeah, Felipe Franks against, yes, ten- right. against Tennessee yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So, well, well, let's talk about this other game because I said it was kind of a seismic shift. Um, I, I'm not saying that this is that, that this is going to not play out where Notre Dame is the top team in the ACC at the end of things, but they did beat Clemson yesterday in a, a, what yep. was one of the best college football games of the year. Uh, maybe the, maybe the best of the year, and so now they're ranked number two. I always feel like, and look, I grew up a Notre Dame fan before I went to Alabama. Uh, that that you know Notre Dame kind of always has this this thing where they they get a little extra love in the polls. I, I don't know why, but they do. But this time they earned it. Look, they they beat Clemson. They were they they're undefeated. The problem that they have is to get to the college football playoff. They're going to have to beat them again. First off, what did you think about that game right. last night? And then, you know, could they possibly beat them twice? Well, first of all, we'll start with Clemson. We'll start with uh, Clemson. They had four starters out, including one of them was Trevor Lawrence, uh, their, you know, number one quarterback in the country. would be picked first part of the draft. Uh, but they also had two, three other guys that were out. So that, I think, will play a role. The thing that, that, that Lawrence brings not only is the talent on the field, but he's, he brings leadership 
to him in the dressing room on the field. He's almost like a coach on the field. And uh, Debo's created that for him. He's a smart kid. He's a big kid. Uh, got all, all the talent in the world. But he's added that personality to him, I think, that, that causes Clemson to, to really what I call the, the it factor. It, it makes him tick inside. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Notre Dame. Uh, they, they've gotten much better uh, week by week. At the beginning, I thought they were – you know they were they were better than average, but they 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 perfected some of their 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 plays and their play calling from the sideline. Uh, their offensive front is as good as it is in the country. Their defense is is very physical. They've got all the talent to do that. So I I think it certainly will be a, a challenge uh, for them to beat Clemson again with a full house. Who do they take? Both teams, Clemson and Notre Dame, have one loss each to each other. Uh, I don't see anybody else in that league beating them, including Miami, by the way. Uh, they come out with some formula based on – because both both uh, those teams and, and both leagues that we're talking about now, particularly with the – well, really three, the Big Ten, which probably only has Ohio State, but the SEC for sure, they don't want to take two teams from one conference. So what criteria are they going to use? But I think even more so how it applies, uh, it applies to both uh, Clemson and to Notre Dame. If I had to guess right now, I would want it'd be a pickup game. Uh, the, the the guys in Vegas are draw that would be a three or three and eight point game, depending on how they do the rest of the year. So, I you know I, I don't want to be stick, sticking out there. I don't want that. I'm not on bet on games, but uh, I do use the lines many times to to make my picks when I, I'm on a show somewhere. I don't know how I'd pick that one, take the truth, right now. I always feel like, though, is you know, with Notre Dame, they they always seem to lose the game they're not supposed to lose. They they've got Boston College coming up next week, right? The, the, that's the last time they yep. beat number one. They lost to Boston College the next week, right? They got UNC at UNC. That's right. Then Syracuse, and then Wake. Now these yep. are games that they should win. They should win all four of these games. But right, right off the bat, I look at that Boston College game, and I'm like, you know, something's going to happen, and they're going to end up losing this game. That's what Alabama and Clemson haven't had happen. You know, they lose. you right. got to play a damn good game to beat Alabama, and Dabo's kind of turned Clemson into that same thing. You, you can beat them, but you better be- bring your best, you know. I don't know that no Notre Dame has kind of established that yet, and we're going to find out with this, you know, four of the next uh, – or three of the next four games are on the road just to get to the ACC championship. Well, I, I called for a radio station in Birmingham. I called the last time Alabama and Notre Dame played together in Miami. Uh, I was there for that one. And Notre Dame came in with all – and Alabama just took them to the cleaners. I mean, they beat them in every way known to man. Uh, and, again, I, I just wonder – that goes right along with what you're talking about, a game that they should have been prepared for, a game that they should have been competitive in, that they weren't for some reason. See, I, I haven't been around the game a long time that that becomes a psychological thing more than it does a physical thing but Alabama was better prepared they had more confidence they just knew going into that game they were gonna win it was obvious and they did to that degree so whether now that may play its role with Notre Dame playing Clemson again they've already beaten them once had to go to two overtimes to do it but they beat them so you know they they come away 47 40 win uh, in that ball game last night they know uh, the, the the score went back and forth from you know from time to time, but Notre Dame came out a winner. So I'll be interested to see how they perform. And you're absolutely right. The basically the the Boston College team has 
given a lot of people problems uh, all yeah. along the way. They, they don't play very consistent football for something unreasonable about them. They do manage to do that. Notre Dame's one of them. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, like, you know, they, they gave Clemson a hard time Hello? Uh, yeah, la- last yeah, game. Yeah. yeah, so. They really did. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, look, let me let me before we wrap up our first podcast together, let me ask you about this. And, I, and I'm going to just finish Clemson's schedule. And then there's a reason why. OK, they've got Florida State okay. at, at, at and, and, you know, at, in Tallahassee. Right. Which with this the way that the, you're not allowed to have fans there, really, that doesn't matter. Then they play Pitt and then they finish up at Virginia Tech. Now, the only reason I'm telling you that is because I want to talk about Hugh Freeze who's at Liberty and the fact that they right. went to Virginia tech and they won a football game yesterday. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm really amazed. I mean, in so many different ways, I'm amazed. I think Hugh freeze is about to land another major coaching job. He's seven and oh, he's got Liberty ranked. They, they, they weren't even playing D one football four years ago. And then they go in and they beat Virginia Tech. And in Virginia, Virginia Tech, the Hokies, they're the big school there. I mean, they, they, you know, they've kind of run the roost, if you will. Uh, your thoughts on Hugh Freeze and what he's been able to do at Liberty? Well, I, watch, I looked at the raw. I watched that ball game yesterday. First of all, the starting quarterback, Malik Willis, uh, was a player at Auburn. Uh, he was on their roster for at least two years. Uh, did, uh, but he, he, he did fit Gus Malzahn's offense, so he didn't get much playing time. But he's a good athlete. I, I, if I'm watching him play, I think he ought to be a running back as opposed to a quarterback, to tell you the truth. But Hugh Freeze has been able to do that. Uh, I, I was very close to that program when he was at Ole Miss. Uh, saw some things that, you know, that were happening internally. Uh, regardless of, of the outcome of that, he's a good football coach. Uh, and I know his name's going to keep coming up. Uh, I watched that game, but they, he's built that team at, at Liberty, much like we did at Troy. On transfers, you know, transfers, junior college players, and he's caught a lot of people. His his system itself magnifies, the, you know, throwing the short pass, uh, flood the zone, read read the quarterback, learning how to read the defensive coverage, particularly on the short side of the field. You notice he he throws a lot of short passes to the into the sidelines, and those kids can break loose and. A lot of times he 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 tries to mismatch with what he's got versus the opponent. So, but that you know what that's called coaching. That's what he's been able to do. I, the, his name is floating in some big circles. I mean, literally, I've heard several big big time programs uh, will be interested in doing. Of course, he makes. I'll tell you this: he makes two million dollars a year right now at Liberty. So he's going to have to go after a you know a, a big time university that can afford to buy him. And bring you know bring him, and I'm sure he'll want to take some of the staff members with him as well. Yeah, and I guess to me, like I, I see Tennessee losing again to Arkansas. You know, give Pittman a lot of credit. I mean, his first year at Arkansas, no one thought they were going to win any games, and they've won three now. And Jeremy Pruitt was supposed yep. to be the guy that was going to turn Tennessee around, and that, that's now that's starting to be questioned because they 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 got off to a good start this year, and now they're just not good anymore. You know, and it's surprising because you and I both remember. When Tennessee was one of the best teams in college football, we know they can be Very the good. best team in college football, but they just have yep. gotten into this lull since they fired Philip Fulmer, which was such a bad idea in the way that they did it. Um, and they just can't seem to get out of it. I look at Hugh Freeze and you put him somewhere in Knoxville and all of a sudden you, I feel like you got something. To me, Tennessee could be a, a sleeping giant, um, but you know, I, I'm st- the jury's still out on Jeremy Pruitt. Well, I, I absolutely agree, and it's ironic you said that because I had a call this morning from a friend of mine 
company Doxel, and that's being discussed as we talk today. Uh, now, how far it goes, I don't know what his buyout is. I know he's say the buyout's probably eight or his contract after he won six in a row last year. I, I believe that's right. Uh, and, of course, Phil Fulmer is the one that got him there and uh, has maintained him as a kind of an interim athletic director. But I give Coach Fulmer fully credit for calming the waters and bringing somebody there that could make that happen. Now, the next step, I, I go back to the recruiting side. If you watch that game last night, that they not only don't have a number one quarterback, they don't have a two or a three either. Uh, that, that talent level at quarterback is just absolutely deal almost. So uh, maybe he needs another year or two, and I'm, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying he's improved the offensive front. The defense plays uh, inconsistent at best, but at times they, they play pretty, pretty hard for him. So I, I do think that if he doesn't win another game or two, they may change. They may make a change. Hugh Freeze's name is there. I'll tell you one more that's out there is Texas. Uh, that's another one that's uh, right now Tom Herman's uh, not doing well. I watch that game. I'm good friends uh, with Neil Brown at West Virginia. I have an app that I watch all their games. And uh, Neil should have won that game yesterday. They had an interference that was not called in the end zone. Should have been a touchdown. And, West Virginia should have beat them 21-17, but they lose 17-13. So, uh, anyway, that's those are the two big names I've heard as recent as a few freeze. He's going to get a job. Uh, I'm going to tell you that. Now, regardless about his background and all that, I'm sure the NCAA will have screened that out pretty well as to who hires him. I don't know where SEC will maybe, maybe too early to bring you back to the SEC yet, but uh, if it is or not, I think he'll have a say-so in that. Uh, other than that, uh, he's going to get a job, and I don't look fun to be at Liberty another year, but maybe another year or two. Yeah, if that, right? Well, look, Max, we've kind of gone through uh, the games that I had highlighted. Anything else before we wrap up our podcast today that you saw that you want to get into that you want to comment on before we uh, we 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 kick the show, we punt the show until next week? Yeah, I, there's there's two schools right now that I think have a chance. I didn't think so at, at first, Auburn. Uh, with the big, big kid as a running back, that's what Gus needed. Uh, Bo Nix was not good enough yet to take Auburn on his back and, and make them win. They got two wins out of uh, help from the officials. I don't think there's any doubt. Arkansas and Ole Miss, uh, I'm not sure that Auburn should not have lost both of those, but they got they come away with a win there. But I think watching Auburn's offense now with Big uh, as a running back number four, I think that's one thing that you might – pay attention to. They at Mississippi State this week, and they'll win, win that one hands down. Then the other one is Ole Miss with, with uh, Lane Kiffin. Uh, look, his offense ran up 600 yards on Alabama. Uh, they still lost the game, but uh, they've, they've done well with what they've got. Commitments for the early signing period uh, coming up December the 18th, but I look for him to be there three or four years. I think he'll bring Ole Miss back uh, to what uh, people were used to back when Johnny Bolt was there consistently winning eight or nine ball games a year. 